Let's learn. So I'm going to begin tonight actually with a, a story, an anecdote. One of the big Hasidim of the Alter Rebbe, tonight is the birthday of the Alter Rebbe, the Baal Shem Tov and Alter Rebbe. One of the big Hasidim of the Alter Rebbe was named Shmuel Munkis. Shmuel Munkis. And he was known for having a very good sense of humor. He would get his point across usually with humor, with cynicism, etc. That's uh, how he would function. So one time it happened that Shmuel Munkis was on the way to Liyajna, to where the Alter Rebbe, the Balatanya, where he lived. He was on his way there for Rosh Hashanah. And on the way, as he was traveling to there, he stopped at an inn, a kretschma, a little inn that, that was on the way. He slept there. And this kretschma was organized and run by a couple, an elderly couple, who were not very learned, a Jewish couple, or couple, but they weren't very learned. And these were the days of saying slichas. And of course, slichas we say early in the morning, that's the custom. And this innkeeper who, you know, the custom by Jews was that the innkeeper would wake up all his guests to come to Slichas. I don't know if that would work today with a, an owner of a hotel waking up all the guests for Slichas. But in those days, the innkeeper woke up everyone for Slichas. And he was knocking on, came into Shmuel Munkis' room. And he sees that Shmuel Munkis is still lying there. He's not moving. He's not waking up. And so he says to him, the, 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 the innkeeper tries to wake him. He says, wake up, it's slichas, slichas, slichas. Shmuel Munkis turns to the innkeeper and says to him, tell me, could you make it a little cooler in here? Would that be possible? Thank you. <clears throat> so Shmuel Munkis says to the innkeeper, tell me, do you, what is slichas? What is slichas? So the innkeeper tried to wake up Shmuel Munkis, who wouldn't get out of bed. And finally, Shmuel Munkis turns to the innkeeper and says, you want to wake me up for Slichas? What Slichas? What is Slichas? And so the innkeeper, was a simple Jew, said, Slichas is the time, Slichas is the time that we daven to Hashem, that we should have a good year, that the grass should get green, and that the cows should have a lot of hay to eat, and uh, we should have a lot of food, and the cows should give a lot of milk, and the goats should give a lot of milk. That's what Slichas is. In other words, this person, this simple Jew, understood Slichas as being asking God for cows having milk and for the grass being green, for asking God for a good year. That's what Slichas is. And Meshmuel Munkis looked at this Jew and said, Feh, ah, how terrible it is that an older Jew, that an old man wakes up in the middle of the night to ask for food. Babies wake up in the middle of the night to ask for food. If by you slichas is just waking up to ask for food, that's what it is. That's a babyish, immature way of understanding what slichas is and what the whole Yomim Neroim, what the whole Tishrei is. There's a way of going into Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur and seeing God as a great big ATM machine in the sky. And that's what this story is, is representing, the fact that this old man, this Jew, didn't know anything better, and so he thought that Slichas is asking God that the grass should be green and the cow should give milk. And there's this, and uh, some people, the whole Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, is that God is this great big ATM machine in the sky, that we need all these blessings, we need all these things, and we go into the day and we just ask for what we need. And some people look at Rosh Hashanah as just being a time to ask for food, to ask for a shidduch, to ask for health. Now seemingly... These are very important things. Health and a shidduch and a parnasa, these are very, very important things. These are things that are necessary. Yet there's this tension, this inherent tension that's spoken about in all the books, and all the holy books. There's this inherent tension that Rosh Hashanah has between on one hand us asking for our selfish needs, asking for things that we need on the one hand, and on the other hand, coronating God as king. And we understand that these two things are not... Did you shut it off or make... Hold on. Uh, huh? These two things are not separate things. These two things are not just that they're separate, but they seem to be completely opposite. If a person is completely given over to coronating God as king, if a person is focused 
incarnating God as king, then you're not able to ask for your selfish needs. In other words, what's the focus of Rosh Hashanah? Hashem, Binyan Amalchus, like we learned on Monday, making Hashem king? Or is the focus of Rosh Hashanah me getting a good sweet year? Now obviously we understand that the Machzor has both. You find both in the Machzorim. You have Nesana Toikef, who will live, who will die. And you have many, many prayers about it, making God king. So even though they seemingly are contradictory, even though they seemingly are not the same thing, is the focus me or is the focus God? But we find in the Machzorim, in the liturgy of the day, we find that same tension. And we find both. And so the question, of course, we say all the words in the Machzor, so obviously we're doing both throughout the day. That's not the question. We say the words in the Machzor, so both are happening throughout the day. But the question is, what's the focus? What should I focus on? When I go into Rosh Hashanah, is the focus making Hashem king? Is the focus not thinking about myself and focusing when I say, that Hashem, you should rule over the entire world in your glory. Is the focus that, making God king? Or is the focus the opposite? Is the focus me, my needs, the things that I need, that I, I want to have this year, that I should have a better year than I had last year? So there's a very famous teaching from the Chassam Soifer. The Holy Chassam Soifer says, he gives the following Eitzah, he gives the following response, the Chassam Soifer. The Chassam Soifer says, we mentioned last uh, Monday, the Pasuk from Ezra, from the Chemia, that in Rosh Hashanah, even though it's a day of judgment, we're told to eat fat meat and drink wine. And we mentioned that last week, but I didn't mention, I mean on Monday, but I didn't mention the end of the Pasuk. It says, we're being told to eat on Rosh Hashanah, eat meat, drink wine, in other words, indulge and make it a yantav, make it a suda, eat fat foods, make it a yantav, make it a holiday. Why? Ki Hashem hi That's what the Pasuk says. Ki Hashem hi Chedva means joy. Chedvas Hashem, the joy of God, He mauzchem is your strength. What does that mean that the joy of God is your strength? What does that mean that the joy of God is your strength? So some Sefer says like this, Yes, it's true that in Rosh Hashanah there's this tension between is the focus on making God king or is the focus on me asking for my needs. That's true. And we have to decide what are we going to focus on? What's going to be the most... Obviously we have both. We do both. But what's going to be my focus? So Chassam Sefer says a beautiful teaching. He says, when it's the day of the coronation of a physical king, when he's being coronated, so anyone could approach him. And so there are people that take that opportunity to ask for their selfish needs because it's a day of coronation, they know the king is in good mood and it's, they're, they're going to ask for what they need. But then there are those people that want to be part of the king's joy just for the sake of being part of the king's joy. They just want to celebrate together with the king and therefore they don't ask for their own needs. They just are celebrate, they just celebrate with the joy of the king. Says the Chassam Soifer, those people that, so to speak, don't think about themselves and only want to celebrate with the king, those are the ones that the king loves the most. Those are the ones that the king is makar, brings close to him the most. So Chassam Soifer says, if a person is able to make that Rosh Hashanah is about Chedvas Hashem, the joy of God, that God is being king, He Ma'uzchem, that's our strength. That's the greatest strength we have. In other words, what's the way to get strength in Rosh Hashanah to be able to really get a good year? The Chassam Sefer says, by not focusing on ourselves. Hashem hi The joy of God is your strength. By making God the focal point, by being joyous in God's kingship, in God's rule, that's the strength that we'll have to be able to really, that God will give us a good year. That even though on one hand I know my life is on the balance, but if not now, if I don't ask for my life in Rosh Hashanah, when? Yet I still focus on Hashem being king. And that itself is the greatest strength we have and that, that assures us the best year if that's our focus of Rosh Hashanah. That's what the Chassam Soifer says. How does that fit with the first half of the 
What's that? How does that fit with the first half? Because every king on the coronation day of his joy, you're eating, you're, you're being part of the suit of the joy of the king. Eat, eat meat, drink wine, because the joy of God is your strength. The opposite. If a person is, you know, like in, in some yeshivas where they scare the living daylights out of you, that, that, that's how they, they, people think they're going to get Jews to have Kavan and Rosh Hashanah, so they scare the living daylights out of people and, men, and, and threaten them and all these d- different things, then you could ask the question, how does it fit with the beginning of the Pasuk, with eating fat meat and drinking wine? In other words, like we mentioned Monday, Rosh Hashanah is a yontif. And it's a yontif because it's the day of the coronation of Hashem, that Hashem is being coronated. We are, through our avoid, to make God king for another year. So that's the chsam soifer. But seemingly, I hope, I think you'll all agree with me, we're all authentic enough and we're all real enough people to agree that that's a very high level. To be able to attain that level of chsam soifer, really, to like that, that Rosh Hashanah is not going to be about me this year, it's going to be about Hashem. I'm just going to focus on making God king. I'm not going to think about really myself and all the things that I need. That's a very high level. A person has to be in a very high level to be able to do that. And the truth is, if we look, if you look around in all shuls of the, throughout the generations, up till today, throughout the generations in all, in all shuls, when do people get the most choked up? When do the people start crying? When do people get the most involved? By Nisana Toikif, by when who will live, who will die. Those those, those parts where we ask for Parnasa. Those Lemaisa people get most emotionally involved when it is about asking for our own personal needs. Because at the end of the day, we're not tzaddikim, and by us, we feel our our selfish needs, our physical needs, the life that we live, we feel that is most important. And so we don't have that eight of the chsam seifer to forget about myself. I mean, maybe some. I mean, there were years that I convinced myself that I did it, but maybe some people could manage to do that and forget about themselves and focus on Hashem as King. But I want to share with you an idea from the Lubavitcher Rebbe of blessed memory. The Lubavitcher Rebbe, a very famous sicha, a very famous talk that the Rebbe gave in, in the seventies. And when the Rebbe said this idea, he really, really cried. He cried a lot when he said this idea for a whole bunch of different reasons, which we'll speak about maybe by the Fabrengen. And the idea is as follows. Anyone remember what's the Haftorah of the first day of Rosh Hashanah? Anyone remember? What's the Haftorah? What's the portion of the prophets the first day of Rosh Hashanah? Shmuel, the birth of Shmuel. Tfilas Chana, the prayer of Chana. So let's just quickly review. Chana was married to Eli Akoyin for, I'm sorry, Chana was married to Elkanah for many years and she wasn't able to have children. The other wife, Penina, had many children. And finally, you know, Chana, after many years of not having children, she goes up to the base of Migdash and she sits and she starts crying and davening. And we learn many halachas, <clears throat> we learn many of the laws of prayer from the prayer of Chana. The whole, the fifth parak of Baruchas is all about the prayer of Chana. But she, one of the things that she does is that she prays quietly. Her lips are moving, but her voice wasn't heard. She was praying quietly. And Eli Akohen, Eli the Kohen, Eli who was the Godel Ador, who was the greatest rabbi of the time, Eli comes and sees this woman sitting and davening quietly. But he didn't know she was davening. He just... He just sees this woman sitting on the floor crying and her lips are moving and she's not making any noise. So he thought that she was drunk. And so he says to her, until when will you be drunk? Take the wine out. And why are you coming to the base of Migdash drunk? And Chana responds and says, I'm not drunk. Don't take me as a drunk person. Rather, I'm a woman of... A, a, a pained spirit and I'm pouring out my soul to Hashem. I'm not drunk. I'm, I'm in pain and I'm pouring out my soul to Hashem. And this anecdote is the Haftorah of the first day of Rosh Hashanah. What does it have to do with Rosh Hashanah? So the simple meaning is, the simple answer that's brought down is because she was Nifkad, Chana, Rochel, uh, uh, um, 
Chana Rochel and the Sarimena were nifgad, they were remembered, they got pregnant, they were conceived on Rosh Hashanah. That's a simple reason, the reason that's why we read this Haftar, because that's when Shmuel was conceived, was Rosh Hashanah. But the Rebbe cried and said, there has to be a much deeper explanation of here in this dialogue, in this story between Chana and Elia Koyim. And that's as follows. <clears throat> the Rebbe first introduced a teaching from the Baal Shem Tev. The Baal Shem Tev brought a pasuk that says in Tehillim, Re'evim gam tzmeim nafshem bem tis'atif. It says in Tehillim, they were thirsty, they were hungry, their souls enclosed them, their souls wrapped them in. Because they were hungry and thirsty, it's their soul, nafshem tis'atif, it's the soul speaking, so to speak. And the Baal Shem Tev taught What's the reason, of, what's the real Pneumius Dika reason why different people like eating different types of food? Why is that? Why do some people, why did God make it that some people like vanilla ice cream and some people like chocolate ice cream? Or why is it that some people, you know, when you go shopping, they want these tiles and other people want those tiles and this color and that color? Why are there different tastes? And the Baal Shem Tev said in a deep way that the real, obviously the, the, he was talking about the neshama, that the neshama, our, each and every one of our souls, feels those portions of the world that we have to rectify. In other words, one of the ideas that the Alter Rebbe brings in Tanya in chapter 37 is that every person has those aspects of this world that their soul has to rectify. And the fact that some people want to eat like this, they, have, they want to eat chocolate ice cream or vanilla ice cream or nebuch pistachio ice cream, is because it's their soul feels that this is something, these are sparks that they need to rectify. That's what the Baal Shem Tev taught. So the real reason that we have different tastes is that our soul inside is directing us towards those part of the world that we have to rectify. So what do you see from that teaching of the Baal Shem Tev? What does that teaching of the Baal Shem Tev show you? That even though consciously what do I feel when I want chocolate ice cream? I just want that chocolate ice cream. But the Baal Shem Tev is saying that Pepnimius, your, your neshama wouldn't allow your body to eat something if it wasn't something that your soul had to rectify. So that means that there could be the conscious way that I'm understanding things my conscious mind, that the way that I understand, and there's what the neshama is really, really feeling deep inside. And the Rebbe cried and he said like this, what's the real reason on Rosh Hashanah that Jews ask for a good and a sweet year and for parnasa and for health and shiduchim and happiness and all the things that we need? What's the real reason on Rosh Hashanah we ask for? We might be thinking about it for selfish needs. We might be thinking about our selfish needs. Consciously, we're thinking about ourselves. That could be true. But just like with the Baal Shem Tev taught, our neshama, why does our neshama want a good sweet year? Why does our neshama want a pranas and a shidduch? Our neshama feels that what's the purpose of our life? What's the ultimate purpose of, of creation? To make the world a dwelling place for God. To draw God down into the physical world. That's the purpose of creation. God created the world because He wanted a dear betachtoinim, He wanted a dwelling place in the lowest world, in this physical world. And therefore, bepnimius and Rosh Hashanah, why do we really ask for our own selfish needs? We might think consciously of our own selfish needs. But bepnimius, our neshama is speaking, our soul is talking. And what does our soul want? Hashem's malchus, that Hashem should be revealed in the world. When we have a good... Hashem's Malchus is revealed in the world, when Hashem's Chesed is revealed in the world, when, Hashem, when, when Jews get everything they need, when Jews are able to get everything they need from Hashem's open, full, and, and, and gracious hand, that shows Hashem's Malchus in the world. And that's really, the Rebbe cried and said, that's why Jews, even though seemingly Rosh Hashanah is all about coronation, but Lamaisa, most shuls, Jews get most emotionally involved when it comes to asking for their own needs. And the reason is, the answer is, 
because ultimately the neshama feels God's kingship is expressed when I have these physical things and I'm able to live my life serving Hashem through them. But, oh, and then the Rebbe said that's the dialogue between Elia Koyen and Chana. Chana was in the base of Migdosh and, a, and she was davening for a child, her own selfish quote-unquote need. And so Eli, the Pneumius, the inner meaning of the, the dialogue is that Eli came over to her and said to her, why are you drunk with this world? Why are you focused on your own selfish need? Why are you looking at only your own life? Why are you looking at yourself, only thinking about yourself and that you should have a child? Why aren't you thinking about Hashem's Malchus? And Khan responded and said, I'm pouring out my soul to God. My soul, my soul really wants it because of Hashem. Because through my child there will be a Shmuel Navi. Because of my child there's going to be Hashem's Malchus. And the same is true for all of us. What's the real reason our soul asks for our own selfish needs in Rosh Hashanah? It's not for selfish reasons. The real reason is because our soul feels that this is how God's kingship is going to be revealed in the world. But, the Rebbe then says... But we have to try to focus also on the coronation aspect. We have to still hear the Eliyah Koyin. The reason that this is the Aftar and Rosh Hashanah is that we can't just take this as a blanket heter and just think about our selfish needs. We have to try to focus as much as we can on the coronation aspect. And so because of that, we have to know what it means to focus on, the, on, on, on Hashem. Again, obviously we're going to ask for our, our needs, our selfish needs, because, because that's what we need in Rosh Hashanah. That's what we need to do. And we're learning now that you have to know that your neshama, even though it could be that you're only thinking about yourself, your neshama is doing it for Hashem's kingship. But Lamaisa, we have to try in a revealed way to try to focus on Hashem's kingship. That, like the Chassam Seifer said, we have to try as much as we can. So I want to learn with you, if we could pass out the sheet, please. Uh, if anyone on Zoom wants it later on, I'll be able to send it later on. Yeah. Just to clarify, because you mentioned um, two years ago that founding um, Hashem King is also like really that Hashem is kind of working through us and, and acknowledging the Malchus. So could it be that like when you ask for things for yourself, you do it in a more evolved way where it's just like, help me with Pranasa if this is the way that more of your Malchus is drawn down. Meaning like you're asking for your specific things, but you're also leaving room for Hashem to be like, well, that's actually not the best way I would express myself through your soul in this world. Well, that that's that's I'm I'm not I'm not sure what you're asking. Say it again. You can ask you can ask for things for yourself, but not be fixated that like the answer has to be yes in order for there to be more godliness or malchus in the world. Sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes there's other ways that your soul doesn't actually recognize that would bring more malchus. No. I mean, you could ask that, but any time we daven, that in other words. Why daven? Just to believe that Hashem is giving things, you know, uh, the best for us. So why bother davening ever? And the answer is because the God created the world in such a way that He wanted mm-hmm. us to draw down the, the, these inyan. He wanted us to, through our Aveda, to draw down these things. He created the world in a way that we'll have that need. And so we can only go according to our eyes, what we see to be what our need is. We have to ask, we have to mean it. You know, the Rebbe Bzusha said, we learn a couple of things. He, he said a few things we learned from a baby. One of them, we have to be like babies to Hashem. One of the things about a baby is that he doesn't stop crying till he gets what he needs, what he wants, right? So that's, that's what davening is. That's what, what I'm saying is, there, it seems like there might be a middle path between just dafka asking for what we think we want and need and coordinating the Hashem King. Like, is there a middle path there where you can kind of bridge the two and elevate? Well, that's what Chana was saying. That's what the Rebbe is saying. To know that when you're asking for your selfish needs, it is Hashem's Malchus. That's exactly what the Rebbe is doing. He is putting the two together. He is fusing the two by saying that you have to know that even when you're asking for what you need for, for physical things in Rosh Hashanah, your soul is really doing it for Hashem's kingship. Yeah, 
No, I get, I get that part. I'm asking something different, but it's okay. I, so I, maybe I, I don't understand what you're asking. I'm just saying, there, there, like, there's like a small mind of the things that you think you need. So you're asking for those things. I know you're saying, based on Hannah's story, the whole point, I mean, she was on a different level. The whole point is that she's asking from the core of her essence for what she needs. She's plugged into that. But like, I wonder, maybe we're asking for things that we don't really need, we think we need. If there's like a, I don't know, maybe someone else maybe captures what, what I'm asking, can you frame it? Or maybe it's a non-question, I don't know. I, I'm, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm just wondering if there's a way to elevate the, the, personal, the personal requests that are, that are just like beyond. If there's a different way to elevate it as opposed to just asking for those things. Can I try and explain? Yeah, yeah, please. So I think I think Regina can correct me, but I think what she's saying is basically what Hannah did was like a subconscious or like knowing that it's deeper than you. You know, so that's what it sounds like the Rebbe is saying. Like I have my request, it's Gashmias, but really it's the Shlina and really it's for something bigger than me. I think what Regina is saying is, is there something that I can do? Is there like some step where it's me no like me thinking about it and rationalizing why my request for Parnassa is also a request is it's a religious request. So that's what the is Rebbe that right? said. Yeah. The Rebbe answered the reason is because essentially when a Jew has everything that they need Bagashmias, that is a revelation of Hashem's kingship. So so like I wanna have God give me a give me money for good for things this year so I can have guests on Shabbat. Let me have like have a mentality that I want this to fulfill God's will at the same time, maybe. So that's what I was saying. So obviously that, that's what I was just saying, that we have to try to focus on God's kingship. In other words, even though obviously by nature we're not on a high level, we're gonna also focus on ourselves that at the end of the day. But we have to try to focus on God's kingship. We have to try to focus that it's for Hashem. Rabbi, do you think Rav Cook looked at the secular Zionists this way that he believed their deeper intention from their neshama place was to? Yes, he to... says that beferish. That's that Daniel is bringing up. That's the way Rav Cook looked at the secular Zionists. That it was that essentially the neshama is what really wanted them to build Zion. Yeah, it's the same idea from the Baal Shem Tov. The Baal Shem Tov said that essentially every Jew's neshama wants to serve Hashem no matter what, whether we're conscious of it or not. I'm sorry if I didn't answer. No, no, that, who was the last person who responded? Daniel? Yeah. That was really helpful. Because he was saying, like, daven for your specific things, but then tie it to mitzvah. So, like, Hashem, help me with pranasa so that I can host guests, so that I can give more tzedakah or whatever. That actually really helps me because... The only I'm reason... I, yeah, I mean, ultimately, there's, there's an Indian to do L'Shem Shamaim. Right, 100%. But we have to not fool ourselves. Like, essentially, what's the real reason I'm asking for it? The, the that's reason, that's the, actually the more, more essential reason, though. That is the more elevated and true reason. So, I'm, so again, so that is the, what, what it would say, you would say to do, that really every time I ask for anything that for myself, it's really for Hashem. But the Rebbe was looking at Lemaisa, what people actually do, which is that they want it for their own selfish self. In other words, I could say that I'm doing it to have guests, but, you know, like the Rebbe Mar, you can't fool Hashem. So if a person is, is, is asking for it and really they want it for themselves, you could say it's for guests, but at the end of the day, it's still for yourself. And so the, the, the reason that the Rebbe's teaching is more of a, um, I like it better because he's saying it doesn't matter what you're actually thinking or not. It might be that you're thinking your selfish needs, but your neshama is really asking for it for Hashem anyway. And the Indian is to now become conscious of it. <clears throat> okay, so therefore I wanted to focus on is in, in order to make that we should be able to be more conscious of Hashem in the way we ask for things in the way that we do make it as part of Hashem and that we tie everything that we have into Hashem so I wanted to focus on this probably what's the most important part of the Rosh Hashanah davening which is the Musaf of Rosh Hashanah the Musaf of Rosh Hashanah the Shmona Esrei of Musaf of Rosh Hashanah is the longest Shmona Esrei of the whole year. And everyone, your feet start hurting. I'm, I'm sure everyone remembers the, that's part of the Rosh Hashanah Indian, that your feet start hurting and you're standing there for a long time. Especially if you're in a minion where they blow shofar in the middle of, of, of Shmona Esrei. It's a long Shmona Esrei. And that Shmona Esrei is built out of three parts. Malchius, Zechreinus, and Shofaros. Verses of kingship, Verses of remembrance and verses of shofar. 
Um, I, do, I, I just want to go back for a second. Regina, I, I, I hope you don't... I wasn't knocking down what you were saying. You're saying it's both. I get it. I I'm, I'm saying... Stop just asking for yourself. It's already... You're, you're already... Right. And, and, and what you're saying is to try to openly do it for Hashem. So yes, that's true. I think there's something also in between that, which is like, for me, hosting guests really is more of like a gashmak than just asking for myself. Like, it's right. actually a better feeling. So, well, not just, I mean, you, you, you're the no, best no, host that no, there no, is. But. No, but I'm just asking, and everyone has their mitzvahs, but like, I'm just saying that there are things that we can ask that link to us to what Hashem might want. Hashem might want to give me pranasa for other reasons, but I'm just saying like, that's something that I'm also connecting that's personal. Right. Anyway, but yes, I think, well, I, I'm okay. good with it. Thank you. All right. So, so, what, what is Malchi Zechernes and Shoifers? So there's, it's three sections of the Shemana Esrei. Each one has ten psukim. Malchias has ten psukim. There's three psukim from Torah, three from Navi, three from Ksuvim. And the tenth one again from Torah. If you remember in the Musaf and Rosh Hashanah, you keep saying Venemar, Venemar, Venemar. Those are the psukim. That's the most important thing that you do on Rosh Hashanah other than hearing Shofar is saying the words of Malchi, Zechernes, and Shreifus, and Rosh Hashanah. The ten psukim, ten verses of God's kingship, ten verses of remembrance, right? And ten verses of shofar. And that comes from the b'raisa, the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah, that says like this. The b'raisa, the Gemara, says that Hashem, it quotes Hashem, so to speak, as saying as follows. Say before me these verses of kingship in order to coronate me upon you. Zechreina, say these verses of remembrance, so that your memory, your remembrance should come before me for good. And Shefer, the, the ten psukim having to do with Shofar. So the Alter Rebbe, in a famous mimer on the Kutei Torah, the Alter Rebbe says that these three sections of Shmona Esrei, these three sections of the Musaf, Machas, Zechreinus, and Shefer's, actually correspond to three levels within the way God manifests. Three levels as God manifests, which in the language of Chassidus is Memalikol Alman, that he fills all worlds, Soiviv Kol Alman, he encompasses all worlds, the Atzmos Ein Sof, in the very essence of the Ein Sof, above any particular light. So, it's also known as God's greatness, Mamali Kolalman, God's greatness, Seiv of Kolalman is God's transcendence, and Atmosain of the essence is God's truth. So let's go one step at a time. So, first of all, we discussed on Monday making Hashem king by realizing, having consciousness of his imminence, of Hashem's imminence, of the fact that Hashem is with everything. Now, I want to just give a little introduction before we begin speaking about these particular meditations. Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, Bechlal, is very dangerous that we get, you know, there's so many words we have to say and very often people come to shul and don't even know what the words mean and it's good to have certain things. If you remember last week I said over the story about uh, with the Alter Rebbe, with the Shtender, Tatim, Etvasas, Tegedavan, what did you daven with? That, that you have a particular meditation to daven with. So what we're going to learn now is these three meditations that correspond to Malchi, Zechrenes, and Shoifres that these three meditations to have, that this could be the way that we focus in Rosh Hashanah, that even though not just our neshama should want to make God king, but that we in a revealed way should want to have a relationship with Hashem. So Malchi, as we mentioned last week, the Indian of how Hashem's light contracts itself to become reality. Hashem's kingship means looking at a leaf that's moving and knowing that the light of, that's the light of Hashem. Hashem's kingship means that Everything that happens, everything in the world is the light of Hashem. That's Memali Kol Almin, the light of God that fills all worlds. The light of Hashem that becomes the world. The way to be able to sort of relate to this is like the Gemara says that Hashem fills the world like a soul fills the body. Hashem fills the world like a soul fills the body. So wiggle your fingers a little. Just wiggle your fingers. If you wiggle your fingers, you feel that there's life in there. You feel the vitality in there? So everything that happens in the world, Hashem's in, making it happen. That's what kingship is. Memalikulam. 
And the mantra, so to speak, the words that convey that most, if you see on the sheet, Leis asar ponimine. Leis asar ponimine. There is no place devoid of him. Think to yourself, just as my soul fills and vitalizes my body, so too does God fill and vitalize the world. Take a moment and wiggle your fingers. Your soul is ever-present within you. Now look at a window or look around the room and reflect upon the idea that Hashem does so with all of reality. Malchius, making God king, is literally, as we mentioned last week, being able to feel Him within reality. That's Malchius. That's coronating God of everything that I see. So the meditation to be able to do that is sort of like to, to, to wiggle, wiggle your fingers or wiggle your toes. Feel the vitality within you and know that Hashem is the Chay Lomim. Hashem is the life of worlds. Hashem is within everything. There is no place devoid of Him. But then we come to Zechreinoiz, which again we said are ten psukim of remembrance. That we say these ten psukim of remembrance that Hashem should remember us for good. Now the question that you have to ask is, we have to say psuki zechreinus so Hashem should remember us. Hashem really, Hashem needs reminding. We say ten psukim zechreinus that Hashem should remember us. What? Otherwise, Hashem doesn't remember us. So there's a story just to to to, to explain it. The, the the answer the way the Alter Rebbe says it. I'll explain with an anecdote. One time there was in Russia there was a rav a rabbi who was invited, this rabbi who spent his whole life sitting and learning in this village, he barely ever left his shtetl. We're talking a hundred years ago. He never left his shtetl. He stayed there the whole time. And he was invited to do a bris at a town like, you know, a hundred miles away. Now this rabbi had never traveled that much. A hundred miles in those days was, was a huge amount. And they got in a horse and buggy and they started tra- traveling to do this bris. And after an hour, the rabbi turns to the wagon driver and says, noch in Rusland? Are we still in Russia? After an hour of driving with the horse and buggy, so the driver said, yeah, we're still in Russia. Another hour, noch in Rusland? We're still in Russia? Yeah, we're still in Russia. And then after the third hour, three hours on a horse and buggy, how much do you think they already went? A couple of, maybe a couple of miles. It's still Russia. So the driver said, yeah, we're still in Russia. So the Rav said, ah, Azah Arba Medina, such a huge country. Such a huge country. Now why is that a funny anecdote? How much of Russia did he see, this rabbi? How much of Russia is in, in nothing? And yet for him it was like, that's a lot. So, you know, that's a huge amount. So Hashem's Malchus is the beauty and everything that's in the world. But that's only vis-a-vis Hashem's contracted light after Hashem does tzimtzum and contracts Himself to manifest as that light, contracted light. But Hashem in His infinite light, see, what we call God's greatness is really His humility. Vis-a-vis Soiv of Kalam and vis-a-vis the infinite light of Hashem, all the world, what we call, that, that's like the rabbi saying, wow, that's so, Russia's so big because I traveled three hours in a wagon. What we praise Hashem as being the greatness of God is really the hum- for Hashem, it's Hashem's humility. It's for Hashem a tremendous descent to be able to manifest as the world that we see. Soivev kol alman, the light of God that transcends all worlds, that encompasses all worlds. That light of Hashem, vis-a-vis that light of Hashem, so look at the next mantra, the next, the next words to focus on. Vis-a-vis Hashem's infinite light, kula kamei keloi chashiv. All before Him is as if not. is completely insignificant. And the meditation to think about that Imagine you're in, you know, to tr- try to picture when you're, when you're trying to focus, what does it mean, Hashem's seiv of kolaman, Hashem's infinite light that transcends the world. What's the quote-unquote picture that you should be having for that? So look around the room. Notice the tiny details that were not initially present in your mind. 
Now imagine you're entering a rocket ship that is blasting off into the sky. Look down from your new heights as you rise higher and higher and notice how the city, the country, and the world become smaller and smaller. You know what it's like when you go on an airplane and all of a sudden when you look out the window of the airplane, all of a sudden these huge buildings and everything look really, really small? So imagine you're on a rocket ship and not just, you know, you start from this room and then you see like the whole New Jersey and the whole United States, and then you go outside space, you see the whole Earth, and the whole Milky Way, the whole galaxy, the whole solar system. That's still, all of that, vis-a-vis Hashem, is a speck of dust, is as if not, is completely insignificant. It's like, imagine if you say, I'm alone in the room, and somebody says to you, you're not alone in the room, there was a speck of dust in the room. It's as if not, vis-a-vis that level of Hashem, and now imagine you're walking down the street. You know, we speak about wanting to make Hashem king. That's the level after he contracts himself. But at the level of Hashem and the level of infinity, imagine, imagine you're walking down the street and all of a sudden you feel a knock on your shoe. And you look down and there's a little ant not, that knocked on your shoe. And you look at this ant and the ant says that our queen died. We need a new ruler. We dug out for you underground the lair. We want you to be our king. We want you to be our queen. We dug underground. We dug out a big enough place for you to be and spend the rest of your life being our king. What would you say to that ant? You'd probably get your raid and start spraying it. You wouldn't want to be king of ants. You don't get complimented. Hashem, vis-a-vis Hashem, all of reality, all of the, 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 the Milky Way is, is nothing. Is kaloi chashim. Is, is as if not. It's seemingly no significance at all. That's Zichreinus. The secret of Zichreinus, of saying the Psukim of Remembrance, is to show that our souls come to that place as well. To the place of Hashem and His transcendence. That's what Zichreinus means. By saying the Psukim of Zichreinus. Have the water, please. <clears throat> By saying the psukim of zechreinus, by saying these psukim of remembrance, what's actually happening is, thank you very much, is it does that same thing as the rocket ship. The psukim of zechreinus are that rocket ship. The psukim of zechreinus are what actually are propelling us towards Hashem, towards Hashem's infinity. That's what it means when Hashem remembers us. It means that in a revealed way we connect with Hashem's infinity. And then finally we come to the truth to Shoifras, to the truth of what God is. Because God in His essence, God in His essence is not finite and God in His essence is not infinite. God in His essence is the complete all, is the everything. And there's no way, and at that level of God in His essence, there's no way to access Hashem. But there's only what to know, to have a muna, to know that Hashem at that level of Atmos is already within your heart is already there, Yechidah Shebenefesh. <clears throat> There's the level known as the Yechidah Shebenefesh, the most intimate, the most deepest part of the soul. Yechidah is literally one with that essence of Hashem. And so that level, when you come to God's truth, which is beyond parameters of finitude or infinity, when you come to the level of God's truth, of God's essence, then you just have to put your hands, feel your heartbeat, and know that that's where God is in the deepest way. And the Pasuk that conveys that, the, the thing to, to maybe think about over Rosh Hashanah, you know, we've been saying already for a couple of weeks, the 27th chapter of Tehillim, the David Hashem Oyer Viishi. So there's a Pasuk there, look at the Pasuk on the bottom of the page, L'cha Amar Libi, for you, Hashem, my heart says, seek my innermost face, my innermost point. And through that is Penech Hashem Avakish, it is your face, God, that I seek. By seeking out, the innermost point of the heart, that is how one seeks out God's face. The face, the panemius, panai, means the innermost, so to speak, innermost aspect of Hashem, Hashem in His essence. That's in our heart. That's already in our heart. That's what sh- And we can't reach that. But there is one thing that we do to be able to reveal that in the world, and that's the shofar. That's the secret of shofros. Shofros reveals Hashem's essence in the world. That's why it's beyond letters, it's beyond words. It's the innermost heart screaming out to Hashem and that draws down God's essence into the world. 
And you should just know, by the way, the Rebbe Rashab actually writes in, in, in Samach Vav that the Psukim of Shoifras, those ten verses of Shofar that we say, are in a deeper way at a higher level than the mitzvah of Shofar itself. The Psukim of Shoifras are an even higher level than the Shofar itself, which is why even on Shabbos, when we don't blow Shofar, we still say the Psukim Shoifras. The Psukim Shoifras are mamish, the revelation of Hashem in His ultimate essence. And so through Malchi Zechernes and Shoifas, through these three levels, meditating on these levels, we should mit Hashem to be able to coronate God as King and be able to have everything that we need in a revealed way and that should be good mit and this year should be a sweet year mit and a better year than the past couple of years have been. And we should be zeichah to see mit only good things together. Questions, comments, or witticisms? Yes, Serge. It could be a slow question. Yeah, just the difference between the Malpios and the, the Shafros. Like, in terms of the actual meditation, like, the first one is like taking a moment to like wiggle your fingers and reflect on the idea that Hashem is everywhere. And then the last one is like to listen to, it says here, listen to feel your heartbeat. So I'm just trying to understand what is really the meditation difference between those, those two. Okay, good, very good. Uh, so wiggling your fingers was just to be able to feel the vitality in you, right? That there's a vitality, there's, that you're alive. And the, the vitality in you moves everything that happens within your body is happening through that vitality. That's a way to meditate how God's light vitalizes the world. That's God's kingship. So that's the parable, that's the metaphor, that's the meditation we use. How am I going to be able to meditate? That everything I see in the world is Hashem's light manifesting. So by feeling the way that your soul manifests in the body. Then we spoke about the, but that aspect of God's light that becomes the soul of the world is after God contracts himself through many contractions. And it's, it's, it's like the rabbi in Russia, right? It's, it's a little speck of dust vis-a-vis Hashem. So therefore we speak about Hashem's infinity and that's what Zechreinus is about, that Hashem quote-unquote remembering us, meaning remembering our significance at that level of Hashem's infinity where it's even though we don't seem to have uh, a significance, but by saying Zechreinus we get a significance. We, our soul is propelled to that place. And then Shoifris is the innermost part of Hashem, God's face, the panemius of Hashem, God's essence, which is beyond any revelation of finitude or infinity, there's no way to reach that. That's, that's all there is, that God's essence is the ultimate truth of reality. But in every Jew's heart is Hashem's essence. So there, when we're saying feel your heart, we're not using the heart as a metaphor or a meditation. We're using the heart to really feel where God is. Hashem really is in your heart. Yechida Shebenefesh, the deepest part of the neshama called Yechida, is in your heart. So that's not a metaphor. That's actually feeling where Hashem is. You know, there was a time, there, there was one time, uh, um, he actually, this person said this story on a video. I don't remember the details, but somebody once came to the, to the Lubavitcher Rebbe at a time where he wasn't taking private audiences. But he was told that if he goes, walks right over to the Rebbe, he could sort of ask him a question. And the Rebbe was coming out of 770. So this person ran over to the Rebbe and said, Rebbe, how, is there a God? And if there is, where is he? And the Rebbe said, yes, there's a God. And he's, he pointed to the person's heart and he said, he's right there. That's, that's the, the, that's the shofar. That's what the shofar does. The shofar is that propelling of our innermost self, or the, which is one with Hashem, propelling it and spreading it outwards. Any other questions, comments, or criticisms? Uh, yeah. Sorry, I, I, this is, I'm, I'm 0 for 2. I don't understand the question. Yeah, as, as you get older, you 
told you your preferences become more refined. So she's saying like as an organizing principle or concept, right? How would okay. you how would you, what what would you do with that? What's that? Like what do you do with that as you get older? Yeah, or like uh, I guess it's like you do the tikkun and you move on. At every age, the, the person, you know, their soul is feeling what they need at that time. You know, for some reason, you know, when, when I was 13 years old, my soul needed Nintendo to make a dear betachtoinim. I don't know why. But, but yeah, everything, you know, as, you know, Yeshaya Hanavi, the prophet Isaiah already said, Mashem God... Uh, plans each step that we ever take. We think we're going on a trip to Acapulco for, you know, for sunbathing. But the real reason is because our soul knows for the perfection, the perfection of reality to happen, you have to make a bracha in Acapulco. You have to, you have to, you have to go there. And, and that's how we, we believe that everything that we have come in contact with in the world is ultimately our neshama does it for Hashem. And that's what Chana was saying, that Eshbech is nafshi. Yeah. Uh, so what's like a good headspace or or not headspace to be in when the shofar is blowing to connect in that way, like the heart to the Okay, so the the, the best the best the best meditation for when the shofar is actually blowing, what I always think about Bistral Salanter actually said he said he said to think about this that <clears throat> the Gemara says um, the Gemara, the Gemara talks about that uh, you're not allowed to, even though you're allowed to. We don't do this, but it's permitted to decorate a shofar. You could decorate it. I think there are some communities that do that, but you're not allowed to decorate it with gold because gold reminds of the Chet Egel, reminds of the sin of the golden calf, and Ein Kateger Nasa prosecuting. A prosecutor can't become a defense counsel. Since the gold was part of the sin of the golden calf, it can't be on the shofar. Ask the Gemara Kasha, but there was gold throughout the base of Migdash, and the, the, the Kain Godel had gold in his clothing. And the Gemara, right? So seemingly there was a lot of gold in the base of Migdash. The Gemara answers that, but when we know when the Kain Godel went into the Kodesh Kadashim, he didn't wear gold. When you go to Kodesh Kadoshim, that's when you can't have any gold. And so B'Sol Salanta says that means that when the shofar is being, and that's what the Gemara says, the, the words the Gemara uses is, Kevan de Zikaran Ka'asi, Nim Damya. Since the shofar is about God remembering us, and we learn tonight what that means, it's like being in the Kodesh Kadoshim. That's why you can't have gold in the shofar. It's mamish when you hear the shofar, those moments Hashem is remembering you, meaning you're coming to that place of God's essence. And so it's mamish like being in Kaidish Kadoshim. That's what I think about when I hear the shofar. Anyone else? The, the, the question is, why does God have to remember us? Well, God, God needs reminding. What does it mean that God remembers? Zichronos. So the Chassidah says that the panemius of that means that at that level, that that level of God's infinite, God reveals His infinite light, before which all reality is, is, is as if not, as if not, seemingly it's like the ant wanting you to be its king. But Zechreinus, by saying Zechreinus, Hashem remembering us means that we become significant even at that level. By saying the Zechreinus, the, the Psuki Zechreinus are like that rocket ship that bring us to that infinite level of Hashem. Tov. Okay.